0: You are now listening to Discover Your Potential with renowned radio talk show host and certified holistic practitioner, Cindy Gilman. So listen, participate, be inspired. Know that you can discover your potential. Here she is, Cindy Gilman.
1: Good evening, this is Cindy Gilman and welcome to discover your potential. In just a few moments, we'll be talking with my guest, John Gray, author of Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. If you've had any questions about relationships, love, or communication, you won't want to miss this interview. So sit back, relax, and discover your potential. Good evening, this is Cindy Gilman. You know, finding the right partner for a relationship can be pretty tricky business. Some say it's fate, some destiny, some say it's being in the right place at the right time. For some, they find their partner early in life, and for others, it may come midlife, or even for others, later on. Well, finding that special someone is only the first step in a relationship. What about communication and making that relationship last a lifetime? How can we make a positive difference with our mates, live harmoniously and intimately in the differences between men and women? Well, perhaps the answer is a simple one. Perhaps, as John Gray says, men and women are from different planets. (laughs) That's right. Perhaps men are from Mars, and women are from Venus. My guest today is John Gray, author of the wonderful book and best-selling book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And John, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you, it's a pleasure to be with you. I just, uh, I want to tell you that in November when you were in Providence, I had the wonderful opportunity of seeing you and uh, listening to you at the Providence Performing Arts Center. And it was a most enjoyable evening. Thank you. Uh, also, I had the opportunity to, uh, to interview Michael Nigerian the week before you came to Providence, who was an absolute delight. Thank you. You're silly, really Chris. Now, you have some wonderful news. You're going, to be, uh, you're going to be coming to Broadway.
0: Yes, the show that I did in Providence is very similar to what I'll be doing on Broadway. Uh, I'll be taking my examples from the book, or from Mars, or from Venus, and acting them out from the man's mm-hmm. point of view, the female point of view, but I do it that you've experienced is quite entertaining and quite funny.
1: What I found was you took some very serious issues uh, that men and women have in relationships, communication issues, uh, sexual issues, and you, you've been able to put it in a way that people feel very comfortable.
0: Yeah, particularly men. Uh, can hear it a lot better if it's done through humor, done in an entertaining way. And I think women appreciate it as well, but women also appreciate the the, the kindness towards women and men that I have, and the intuitive understanding that helps them to make sense of the relationship.
1: The, um, what I found very interesting, uh, being a healer and being an observer of people, uh, seeing the different types of people that came to the theater that night, and there were about fifteen hundred people were not only couples of different age groups and different economic backgrounds but groups of men groups of women and during the intermission, I stood behind uh the book booth as people were were buying books and tapes and what I found fascinating were couples were deciding what book would best benefit them, and they were making the choice together. <laughs> Shall we buy this book? Shall we get uh, Mars and Venus in the bedroom? Should we, should we buy the whole packet? And uh, it was very interesting to see them interrelating, to, to know that they want to make a difference in their relationship.
0: You know, I think that's also one of the most encouraging things about the EVE is that women see how many men do show up for this, and that when men are approached in a in a way that men need to be approached, uh, they're very interested in making their relationship better. They're very hungry to know, how can I figure out my girlfriend? How can I figure out my wife? How can I make this better? It's just that so much of the time men are approached as if they're the problem. And I'm very careful to point out, that the problem is that we're from different planets and don't realize it, and that and you have the power to solve that problem, and that makes them feel good about themselves.
1: Now how did you come up with this concept that men and women are from different planets? This is fascinating to me. Well, Where did that come from?
0: <laughs> I, as a marriage counselor, I found that explaining the differences in communication styles that men and women had was very, very useful. and to impress upon, it was actually the women at the time, the seminar I was teaching, try to get them a way of letting, backing off from trying to change the way men communicate, backing off from trying to change men. I tried to pick them up with a good example, and I thought about the movie I just, which was very popular at the time, called E.T. Oh, yes. That movie. And uh, I said, imagine your husband is uh, an E.T. You <laughs> wouldn't presume to know what's best for him. You wouldn't expect him to know what's best for you. He's from that planet. And then, as, women love that story, and it was very helpful. And then they started saying, well, what planet is he from? <laughs> I thought, what planet would I like to be from? It was Mars. And the men said, well, then what planet are women from? And they wanted to be from Venus. So that's the whole story, and the whole idea, uh, all sort of developed around that, for the natural evolution.
1: In the, in the years uh, of your counseling experience, uh, I'm sure that a lot of what you present in your lectures, in your books, uh, come from the many uh, couples that you've worked with over the years. And the thing that I find very interesting is you really uh, are able to pinpoint the differences between men and women. Yes, it
0: was it was interesting too, because you know we're all very unique as well, and yet there are certain currents general themes, which are very unique to women as a group and men as a group. Certainly, even within that, there are some exceptions, but generally, most men will agree and most women will agree, and that was through listening to, uh, a lot of it came from listening to complaints that women had that men didn't have. Uh Women would say things again and again and again, like, oh, my husband, he ignores me, and I didn't hear a lot of men saying, my wife ignores me. Uh women saying, he doesn't understand, he doesn't understand, he doesn't listen. And I didn't hear a lot of men saying, he doesn't listen, he doesn't understand. And what I hear men saying is things like, uh, you know, I do this and it's never good enough. Appreciate what I do. Certainly I hear some women saying that, but the main issues that I hear from women were different from men. Then I was able to start looking at, well, if this is where their complaints are, then what are their needs? Exactly. their needs differ. And I see it was consistent, my counseling clients, I see it with the groups I would teach to would respond to that in a favorable way. But most important is that I would fight out my own marriage and it would work. And everything I teach is relevant to me personally and that I use it and it's useful to me. Or my wife uses it and it's useful to
1: me. So you've been able to put all of the techniques into practical use with you and Bonnie.
0: Absolutely. Everything is, is is tested so to speak i think people like what i say because i don't spend a lot of time just philosophizing and talking about things that sound good but it has to be something that's immediately useful and for me to say something immediately useful has to be immediately useful in my life i used it that day so to speak
1: right so you talk the talk and walk the walk that's right (laughs) now is bonnie coming to
0: new york with you as well yes she'll be at the opening of the show oh great
1: excited about it. Uh, I want to give our internet listeners uh, an opportunity to know uh, where you're going to be in New York and when and I'm sure that uh, people from the Rhode Island area here who either came to see you or didn't have the opportunity to come to the evening can uh, make the trip down to New York. It's just a a short train or bus trip away or even a four-hour car trip away. You're, You're going to be at the Gershwin Theater that's correct. And uh, you'll be opening on what date? I'm opening on Monday,
0: January 27th, and it goes for a week. Uh, I think there's matinee on Wednesday and on Sunday as well. And uh, it's going to be an evening show, uh, a, a full uh, three hours total. It'll be an hour and a half intermission and another hour. Uh, You're guaranteed to have more love in your life when you come and leave and also have a good entertaining time.
1: I'm sure because uh, from the evening that, that uh, where I was, uh, everyone seemed to be having a good time. And that second part where you actually have the audience involved and have them up on the stage was really—it uh, was—it was a real eye opener.
0: It's that wonderful. I developed that whole aspect of the of the show to and uh, preparation for doing the Broadway show. And there's one extra element that I'll be doing on Broadway that I did do there is that. Some of the members of the panel, you mm-hmm. that went there, I, I bring up three women and three men from the audience, and they do question and answers with me and discussion right there on stage. uh
1: uh-huh. And
0: when I do uh, opening night Broadway, there'll be several celebrities there as well who'll be on the panel. Oh, great. Uh, each, each night, I'll be having a, a few celebrities uh, around the country, you know, like soap opera stars mm-hmm. or bottles or... Uh, rock group stars, various people have all come forward uh, in my seminars to participate. Oh, that's so wonderful. it's fun to, to have total, uh, personalities that you know about also talking about their, their relationships. relationships, right. Sex.
1: And, you know, being, I think being in the public uh, and, and being on the road and doing a lot of traveling puts a lot of strain on a relationship, so it should be interesting to hear what they have to say as well.
0: You know what, I think it is is sometimes we tend to feel that celebrities are very special people, and we have lots of love for them and lots of admiration for them. And then when we see that these very special people are just like us. That's right. They have the same experience as us. Then we walk out feeling that, oh, well, we're more special too. So that's an added bonus that happens when the celebrities come out and share their stories. But even without that, I think that's also why my seminars are so close, is that, men and women in the audience all get to see that it's not just them but other people are experiencing these same kind of issues these same kind of patterns these same kind of misunderstandings so you feel like oh it's not just us it's not just my husband who forgets to do these things all these other men do too right it's not so bad
1: i have to tell you that um aside from men are from mars women are from venus i have read mars and venus in the bedroom and I have a son who is in college, who's in a relationship. And when I finished the book, I handed it to him, and I said, "Here, read this, then give it to your girlfriend to read, and then discuss it." <laughs> <laughs> that is great. So, I mean, I think oh. it's, I think it's, um, it's a wonderful. Besides understanding the the differences and the communication, I think uh, Mars and Venus in the bedroom is for people who have. Uh, uh, young people, college-age people, young adult children, uh, it's an important book for them to read. Yes,
0: it is. It's a wonderful gift. I wish I had known that when I was I books. was just going to say, it it's, uh, what,
1: whatever your mom and dad didn't tell you, it's in that book.
0: <laughs> you know, uh. Uh, people should know that the book just came out in paperback as well, so it'll be more more available
1: to people. Oh, that's great! And we have a lot of young listeners on the internet, and uh, I think it's I think it's important for them to understand. Many of them are just getting into relationships, and um, you know, when when we grow up, we're not given a manual uh, as to how to conduct relationships or how to communicate or the differences between men and women, and one of the things that I found really interesting uh, is how you differentiate between what men's needs are and what women's needs are. Maybe we could talk a little bit about that. In the
0: bedroom or outside the bedroom?
1: Uh, either in the living room or the bedroom. Okay. Let's, I think this
0: <laughs> let's possible, start in the living room. Because it can't work inside the bedroom it's not working outside. Right. And I think one of the most beautiful parts of my book is, is to define and understand in simple terms the most important needs that a woman has and the most important needs that a man has right. But they're very different, they're complementary men, men need to realize that what makes a woman feel loved is when you say, do things that say I care, when you prioritize her, when your behavior says she's special in your life you're giving her the feeling that she is special, that you care about her and her needs, that's the first ingredient that you care. Uh, The second ingredient that a woman needs is that you take the time to understand that you know where she's coming from. It's amazing. This is why women talk so much more than that. They'll talk about what's going on in their life so that you can understand where she's coming from. When a woman feels understood, when she feels seen, when she feels that he experiences a bit of what she's been going through, that makes her feel very loved, that she is understood. Now, a man could be listening to this and going, yeah, well, I want to be understood, too. Well, that's fine, then. but what you have to know is that for women, it's about 10 times more. That's why when you hear women complaints, they'll say things like, he doesn't care anymore, he ignores me, or he doesn't listen, he doesn't understand, he's just trying to solve my problem, he doesn't know what I'm going through, he doesn't understand, I just want to share and be understood. So that's the second need, understanding. And the third need that women have is to feel respected. To feel that he respects her point of view, he respects her feelings, he respects her needs. This doesn't mean he has to agree with everything, but that he honors that she has a different point of view sometimes. Her point of view is just as valid as his point of view. If she, you know, sometimes women will have sensitivities about things that a man doesn't. And many men will go, oh, you shouldn't be upset about that. Oh, you shouldn't worry about that. Oh, that's not a big deal. That's not respecting her. You have to honor and respect her point of view as just as valid as your point of view. And it's not about right or wrong. It's about validity. It's that if you walked in her shoes that day, saw the world the way she thought, she would experience what she experienced. You need to take the time to respect and honor her position. So that's something for men. It's like a whole new direction person to focus on and what I can do to make her feel both. And what a woman can do is is a different scenario. She needs to give messages to a man, first of all, that she trusts him. That she trusts his ability to do things. That she trusts that he can figure things out on his own. That she trusts that he does love her, even if he's not always showing it. That she trusts him to get to his destination. He doesn't always have to ask (laughs) for (laughs) directions. You know, it's just little messages. Don't correct them all the time. Women tend to mother men after a while by giving them instructions, how you should do this, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. What and you should
1: wear, what going. you shouldn't say, shouldn't say. Yeah, exactly. Don't say so this in public.
0: And to trust him to be a good guy. The second message, to give him the message that you accept him just the way he is. Men love to feel accepted. They don't want anybody trying to improve them. If you give up trying to improve a man and accept him the way he is, through your messages and the way you interact with him, he on his own will seek ways to improve himself. But as soon as you try to improve him, he will stop trying to improve himself. Give him the room to so feel loved the way he is, then he'll make changes. And of course, uh, the way you give the message that you accept him is when he makes mistakes. Don't give him a hard time. And particularly if he make little mistakes, don't point it out. Don't always be correcting the things he does wrong. Instead, just let him make his mistakes. Let him learn his lessons. Unless it's a big mistake and it affects you, if to point that out to him, that's fine. But even that, do it in an accepting way, which I know you're not perfect, and this is what I would like. The third important thing, it's the easiest and the most important, most uh, easy to put in action if you have the intention to do it, and that's to take the time to acknowledge and appreciate anything he does for you. Men need to feel appreciated it's their primary tool just as women need to talk and be heard and be respected, men need to feel that they're accepted for who they are and that what they do accomplish, what they do give, is appreciated. If he empties the trash, oh, you see the trash. Thanks so much. It takes you so a wonderful I'm so glad you brought me to this school. It was so wonderful. Take the time to verbally and emotionally respond in a way that appreciates the man that this gives him the fuel to continue being loved
1: so many times I hear from women, but men never help around the house. What can I do to help to have them help around the house?
0: Well, there's a variety of things, and a certainly a very common complaint, uh, And part of it is just a misunderstanding between the sexes. And that a man assumes that if a woman's not asking for more, that he's doing enough, <laughs> And women think that if he loves me, he'll offer to do things. Right. So what happens is time passes, he doesn't offer to help out, she does more of her care, and she starts feeling resentful. Then she asks for help, but she does it in a demanding way. And men do not respond to demands or commands. Uh, it needs to be the art of asking a man for support. is one of the most powerful and difficult tasks for a woman to make a relationship work. There's a finesse to it. I recommend reading my book on that, but I'll get some short tips right now. Good. Just be specific and use the least amount of words. Honey, would you empty the trash? as opposed to, I'm so tired, I'm so exhausted, don't me out, the trash is smelling, can't you at least bring out the trash for me? How many times do I have to ask? Why didn't you notice? All that kind of preamble only sabotages for request. Right. The thing is, it's just to always approach a man, ask him to do things, short and simple, don't give a long list of things to do, start with something like this, how you help bring the dishes over. And then appreciate him. Thank you so much. So he feels that what he contributes if he gets a little bit more, he's appreciated for that. Then he gets a little bit more. So ask for more in small increments. Ask for more in areas where you think you're going to get a positive response. But on this day, you don't think you would. Like, honey, would you go to the store and get some juice? And he's on his way instead. And he grumbles about it. Well, most women won't even ask so they can anticipate the grumble. Don't worry about the grumble. The grumble just means he's figuring out if he really has to do it. And once he goes to the store and brings the juice home, he's got a smile on your face. So oh, thanks so much for bringing the milk, for bringing the juice. And he goes, okay, I brought the milk and juice. And he forgets all about the fact that he grumbled. So don't be afraid of a man's grumbling when he makes requests. When naive naively think what the must needs is just be happy to do these things. And sometimes he's happy to do it once he sort of moves through his grumble.
1: What about, um, what about this whole idea about men going into their cave?
0: I think that's probably the most important idea of my book uh, because one of the things that purify ruin your marriage is that not understanding man in the cave. Men will tend to come home and depending upon how much stress they experience during the day, they need to spend alone time, time to uh, do meaningless activities like watch TV or read a magazine or have a hobby or have an interest. It really doesn't count for his survival security uh, that may so it look like a waste of time, but to him it's a way to relax his brain from thinking about things that count, things that are really serious, to things that he enjoys more or things that just allow him to use a part of his brain in a relaxed way and help him forget the problems of the day. So the way men forget the problems of the day, and like both stress, is by doing something to divert their attention away from work. About having a hobby or interest, or watching the news. Women don't understand this, because they cope with the day by talking about the day, by remembering the day to someone who shares with them and cares about them. But men cope with the day by forgetting the day. So when a man is trying to forget his day, he's in his cave, and there's a sign on the cave door that says, "Do not answer or be burned by dragons." And women don't <laughs> see that sign. They see him not talking. They want to go in there and get him talking. And that's a big mistake. It just annoys him.
1: And then they ask the question that most men love most. What are you thinking?
0: <laughs> exactly. We hate that. <laughs> she starts interrogating us. And that's the time, when we don't want to talk about what we're thinking, we're trying to stop thinking. <laughs> we're trying to get away from all those ripping, stressful puzzles and uh, problems of the day. The last thing we want to do at that time is to think about what we're trying to forget. And of course, she wants conversations, but she tries to get us to talk. But the answer, the solution, is for her to not go in that cave, not ask him questions. And when he's out of the cave, to not even expect to talk even then, might or might not, but to ask him to listen. To say, honey, I just want to tell you about my day. So don't ask him questions, but uh, ask him to just
1: listen. Right. When I was talking to Michael uh, a few months ago, I use the phrase, that's when we use Venusian venting. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Getting out all that stuff that women need to get out without uh, expecting a solution from their mate. That's right.
0: That's part of what men have to learn, the whole art of learning. When a woman is sharing her feelings and talking about day, she's just venting it, she's letting it out. You're not supposed to interrupt it. You're not supposed to push it back in by trying to solve the problem. Just let her move through all the feelings (laughs) we talked about today without interrupting much. But try to get a good listener. And a good listener is someone who's not getting to someone who's not interrupting, someone who's asking questions, someone who's physically animated to some extent to show they're still alive. (laughs) 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 They're nodding their heads, making eye contact uh, quite often throughout the conversation and asking interested questions. That will help draw her out. And that makes her feel hurt, and that makes her feel better. If she was in a bad mood, she in a good mood.
1: So the next question uh, that men love most besides what are you thinking is, what are you feeling?
0: Yeah, of course. <laughs> for those who may not be savvy, we're just being sarcastic here. And uh, men really hate the question, what you thinking?" Right. And men hate the question, how are you feeling? Uh, and the irony here is many times if you ask a man how you're feeling, he won't say anything because, uh, you know, when a man gets in touch with his feelings, uh, he actually has less neural connectors than a woman when it comes to feelings the speech. If you look at women's brains and men's brains, women have billions more neural connectors between the feeling part of the brain and the talking part of the brain. If you do ask a man, what are you thinking? Or uh, uh, what do you think? If she has a problem, what do you think? By the way, can have cancer because he has a lot more neural connectors from the thinking part of the brain to the to the talking part of the brain. But if you want to ask him how he's feeling, he'll goes go blank. Which also occurs anytime when a woman is talking about a subject and there's a lot of feelings involved. What can happen to man is he gets so into the feelings he'll actually forget what she's talking about. And then she's on. Which is on... completely annoying to a woman. I mean, she's talking about something that's interesting to her or something she's involved in Right. and he he forgets this dream what she's talking about it's just temporarily he forgot, forgotten she just has to get the clues and he's back on track
1: and then she gets insulted because he's sitting in silence
0: of course from her point of view because she doesn't experience losing track when somebody's talking about feelings she thinks what kind of insensitive man is this to forget what i'm talking about while i'm talking about it and of course there's another funny thing that happens between men and women is that one of the whole differences is if women when they have a conversation they tend to only introduce the names of the characters at the very beginning <laughs> 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 and, and if a man's not listening right from the beginning he doesn't get the names of the characters right so he'll get it all mixed up and it's like women be compassionate with and repeat the names of the characters occasionally throughout the conversation because when you start a conversation, sometimes a man doesn't get the first part of it because he's still thinking about something else. It takes him a while to shift gears to give to his boys, to warm up a little bit, and then to repeat the names of the people involved a few times.
1: <laughs> so what do you Martians talk about when you get together?
0: Well, that's a big question women have, isn't it? I come home from being with the wife my wife, <laughs> wife says, what'd y'all talk about? And my honest answer is, I don't know. <laughs> The truth is we do talk about things, not probably as much as women, but we do talk about things. But we don't like store it in our memory bank Because it's not that important to us to remember the details of what we talked about. Whereas women a sign of love is to remember the details of someone's life. Women are constantly gathering information and remembering details so that a woman can say, Oh, it's a birthday party, how did it go? Or Oh, you went to get that doctor's appointment, how was it? Or oh, what happened after that conversation you had with your husband? It gets it all the fact that he remembers all these details about personal lives makes her or loving on Venus. But to men, we don't care that much. If a guy says to me, well, how did that uh, point to go with so-and-so, we, you know, we might answer it, but it's not like, oh, he really loves me, he cares about me, he remembers those details. It's not that important uh, how much to remember about it. But men don't go around collecting the details about relationships and circumstances and to remember. We do, however, remember details of of football scores, baseball scores, (laughs) uh, stock scores, uh, anything to do with numbers, figures, details like that have to do with our recreation or our work. We will remember details about it, and we'll feel proud of it. But uh, to remember details about relationships, what's going on, generally men don't aren't equipped with an automatic memory. They have to, like, try at doing it, and, and I do that. When I'm out with the guys, I, Now I, I try to remember some of the details of their personal lives so I can go home and tell my wife. <laughs> because
1: she's going to ask you.
0: She's going to ask, and she really loves it, but I tell her something.
1: <laughs> now, you have a couple of uh, new books that are coming out.
0: Yes, I do. I have a book which just came out. Well, I've, one book just came out in paperback with the artist's genius in the bedroom. That's now out in paperback. It's been out in hardback for several years now. Uh, I have a new book out in hardback called Mars Genius and Love. Mm. It's a wonderful, inspiring little book about uh, couples who fell in love again after falling out of love. And, and that's really the only book where I focus on the uh, difficult problems that couples go through and how they can solve those. Uh, but it's also an inspiration because it's several chapters on uh, just... Couples, the most romantic things they do together. And it's, it's, it's stipulating. It helps you remember the most romantic things to do for your partner and shows you how other couples have done it. But so it's an inspiring guide. Uh, I'm working on a book right now called Mars Venus on a Date, which is be out uh, by June of this year.
1: Oh, that's gonna. I think that's going to be very helpful to
0: people. It is a helpful guide, and I'd like to share a few things from that book. Please. Uh, you were talking earlier about... Uh, giving art in the bedroom to younger people we're right. uh, uh, getting involved and and, and, and uh, important relationships.
1: Uh, I handed the copy to my son and said, Here, read this.
0: <laughs> it, it's a great, great book for that. And uh, what I talk about in my book for single people is the importance of not rushing into physical or emotional intimacy until mm-hmm. you feel you like this person enough to possibly marry them. Not that you're going to marry them, but this is the kind of person I could marry. If you don't have, and that's called falling club. That's really what falling club is, when you feel like, oh, this could be, I'm not sure if this could be the person I'd want to spend my life with. Mm -hmm. That's the time to become physically and emotionally intimate with someone. Uh, Men are always in a hurry to be physically intimate. Women are in a hurry to be emotionally intimate, to share and vulnerable and open up. And uh, it's just, not a good idea to do either of those things until you've had enough experience with this person, enough dates, enough relationships, where you really like them, you're really attracted to them, you're really interested in them, and say you fall in love with them. And when you fall in love, you're feeling like, this might be the person I can marry, and then you make a commitment to that person, and the commitment is, I'm going to pursue this relationship, these are my intentions. Remember, old-fashioned world, the can't have to reveal his intentions, even for what's going to on a date with him. Well, well now I think that, you know, a man should be revealing his intentions to be in a monogamous relationship that he's he's experienced this woman enough, he's experienced him enough to the point where they realize that uh, they're going to pursue this relationship and they're not going to be looking towards others. They're not going to be dating others. They're not going to be fooling around with others. They're not going to be flirting with other people, but they're in a monogamous relationship. It's at that point where you want to begin exploring a deeper level of intimacy. Uh, you know, that's when you when you have more sex, that you know, it certainly at the level of friendship and closeness and dates there can be etc. But not sex. I uh, gotta hold back on that and I'm calling sex physical intimacy and there's also something emotional intimacy. It's just important women tend to become very emotionally open and vulnerable and too quickly can turn man off. Uh, just as uh, if you have sex too quickly it can also turn the man off. <laughs> You don't want to have too much intimacy until you have a commitment. Because what most people don't understand about intimacy, whether it's physical or emotional or mental, is that men and women experience, uh, have different reactions to it. And what a man experiences uh, uh, a a great degree of emotional or uh, physical intimacy, he has a reaction to it which is to a pullback. When a man gets really, really close He will pull back. Like a rubber band, he'll pull back. And after he's pulled back for a while, then he'll freak back. And he'll have more love. But if you're not in a committed relationship and that man experiences intimacy with you, then the normal natural reaction that all men have after they experience a certain amount of intimacy is they pull back. When he pulls back, he's not in a committed relationship. And at that time, many men, when they pull back, they become interested in other women. And then the big mistake is that to pursue a sexual relationship with another woman. Explain. You're not committed, the man still think, "Well, this is okay. I'm not committed to her. I can pull around over here, right? Explain
1: it's, to our female listeners why, men, when, what, why men pull back after okay. that intimacy.
0: You see, men uh, are different from women in that women walk around with a strong of a, a, a strong deeper intimacy kids mm-hmm. walk around with strong needs for autonomy. That's why general always advertise how great they are, and I can do this myself, and I can accomplish this, and I can do this. Men need to feel autonomous. And once they start feeling that need is satisfied, but they feel autonomous, good about themselves, then they feel the need for intimacy. So, subject that he feels is he's close with woman. But then he feels close, and like a hunger, like there's a hunger for food, You get that need satisfied, as soon as this deep intimacy is satisfied, meaning that they got real close, then suddenly he starts feeling his need for independence and autonomy again. So he starts to pull away. Women, on the other hand, they all feel the need for intimacy. And so she's feeling the need for intimacy. He gets close, and then he pulls away to be autonomous, and she's left there feeling empty. And what happens to women after they've experienced intimacy with a man is that women, if they haven't, they don't, if they're not in a committed relationship, then they'll look for that commitment. Because the commitment, they've experienced boldness, they've experienced right. intimacy. Now they're going to want to have intimacy on all levels. They want to have a right. relationship. Well, I've been
1: intimate. Now I deserve the commitment.
0: That's right. And then that will bring him off even more because now she is pursuing him. <laughs> right. It's like when he pulls away, he says, What's the matter? What's going on? I thought we were moving along. I thought we were having a relationship. I thought it was really great. What's the matter? And you don't ever want to interrogate the man when he pulls away. Because if you do, you'll go, well, I guess I'm just not attracted to you anymore. I guess I, you're not the one for me. When the truth is, when he pulls away, he's just not attracted to her for a short period of time. You don't want to, to look at that and go, oh, is something matter here? What you want to do is to know it's if To get close, to pull away. What about,
1: so, what about the men who actually fear intimacy? And I mean emotional intimacy or verbal intimacy.
0: Well, see, let me explain this whole thing because the idea of men fearing intimacy is blown way out of proportion in that if you study men and women, you see that women actually have a much greater fear of intimacy than men do. But let me explain where this came about. Okay. You have, what happens is you get into a relationship and a woman wants to try to get a man to talk and the man doesn't want to talk. Then the woman and everybody else in the creation... And therapists, include think that, oh, this man has a fear of intimacy, and that's not why he's opening up and sharing himself. And the reason they think it's a fear of intimacy, because if the tables were turned, and if a woman didn't want to talk about her feelings, then generally it's because she's afraid of being intimate, she's afraid he won't listen, she's afraid of being rejected, she's afraid of being minimized, she's afraid of being ridiculed, she's afraid of being put down. Right. So she is not talking because she has a fear of intimacy, a man stops talking because he's gets he He sometimes to get his thoughts, then he comes out. It's not the fear of intimacy. Now, the same misunderstanding applies to what I talked about a minute ago. When a man gets close, he instinctively feels the need for autonomy and pulls away. A woman assumes that he must be afraid of intimacy because if a woman gets close and then suddenly feels the need to pull away, it's because he has a fear of intimacy. Uh-huh. Fear of intimacy is not the reason men to pull away. But it can be. Certainly that could complicate it. Certainly in some cases he might have a fear of intimacy. But a man could be very healthy and not have a fear of intimacy, but he'll get close and then he'll pull away. Then, then the depends upon plot system. Because once he's pulled away, the woman, because she doesn't understand that this is natural, and normal for him to pull away, she will then panic and pursue him. And when she panics and pursue him, it's a sense he's going into that cave. She's going to annoy him. She's going to start asking him questions. She's going to start trying to get him to come back to her and so forth.
1: So she needs to wait for him to come back.
0: That's right. The rule needs to be for single women to understand men. Never pursue a man. More he's pursuing you.
1: Don't you think, though, with, I mean, with the sexual revolution and the way things have changed and the way women have become far more aggressive... I think men are very confused about this role business. Who is to make the first move? Who is to be the initiator? I mean, I think it's affected men uh, on an even deeper level where women have become so aggressive. it, it,
0: it, it confused men and it's confused women. It's it brought about a lot of dissatisfaction in the dating situation. Exactly. And there's result the result is that you've got a, a host of women saying, why is it that men don't commit? You know, making a commitment is a very masculine thing to do. Men are into making commitments. Look at men and their careers. Some men are totally to committed to their careers. Commitment is a big part of being masculine, and yet suddenly there's this huge issue, it's a real issue, men are not committing. And why are men not committing? To me, the answer is very clear. If a woman pursues a man, meaning she sees a guy, she goes up to him, gives her his number. Oh, I'd like to meet you. Give me a call sometime. And she's now pursuing him, actively going after him. He does skip a call. She calls again. She plans the date. She makes it easy. There's little men. I mean, not little men. <laughs> <laughs> but there are a few men who will turn that down. Men like to be pursued. It, it's much easier. He doesn't have to take the risk of being rejected. He doesn't have to take the risk involved pursuing somebody, putting a lot of energy into something and failing, being rejected, being pushed away. Men are going to easily go the easy route. That's the thing about men. If a woman pursues him, hey, great. And of course, women have learned now the way to pursue a man's says is to be sexually available to him. So that becomes another means or tool for women to pursue
1: men. Well, like you say in Venus in the Bedroom, uh, our mothers taught us the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. <laughs> and your comment was...
0: Oh, we're shifting gears here. My my comment there is that the direct way to man's heart is below the stomach. It's definitely sex. And so women see that men love sex. Men want a woman to be sexually responsive. So now women are pursuing men by advertising themselves as sexually responsive. Now, it's good to be sexually responsive, but not to use it in pursuing a man.
1: Right. So that's a sure way to throw him. to, to push him away.
0: That absolutely is. And it's also your sure way to find the wrong man. Exactly. If you pursue a man, it's, it's likely that this man will never commit to you. But if a man pursues you, it's likely that he is gonna to commit to you. So you're you're more inclined to find the right guy for you if you make yourself available for the right guy to find you instead of hunting him. Because if you have to hunt the man down it's the not worth responsive to that hunt he wants to have sex. Jerry wants to have sex. Hormones are there. Sister, right. He likes he to like him, no fear of rejection. But that man will never, uh, the chance of him committing to her are very low. And there's even a possibility where this man could have been a soulmate, someone who they could have had a lasting, loving relationship with. Right. But because she pursued him, he never got touched with the part of him that wanted to pursue her. You can actually make a man passive and weak by doing too much for him, as opposed to letting him do things for you, and that, that allows him to discover that, oh, I can be successful, I can do things for her, I can make her happy, she needs me in her life. That actually causes man to feel more involved, more intimate, and therefore makes the commitment. Hmm. So another mistake women make is they make it too easy for the man. Now, this is good old-fashioned advice that women have Some women are offended when I say it, but we got it from our moms, and it's really true. If if the milk is free, why would the man buy the cow? Now, turn back and understand women be offended by thinking they're being bought. But what it means is, why is the man going to put forth his effort to get the milk when he can get it with no effort at all? Why why should a man submit and risk divorce, risk uh, getting married and getting divorced when he can get the whole thing for free? And so it's a huge illusion, and it's a mistake that women make to treat a man as if he's married to him when he is not married to her. To treat a man as if he's committed to her when he is not committed to her. To have sex with a man and think that afterwards, when i we have sex we have a committed relationship or this will right. bring us closer to a committed relationship when the truth is it will cause him to go further away from a committed relationship.
1: And that's when a woman feels taken for granted.
0: That's when she feels taken for granted and she ends up feeling used and so forth. When she's
1: put herself into that position
0: herself. Exactly. So So these are just some good old healthy warnings for for women to understand men and for men to understand themselves. I've had many men come up to me and say, I can't figure out which woman I want to marry. I can't figure out the right woman for me. They all have good qualities. They all have not such good qualities. How do I decide? Men go to these, you know, decision-making processes, and I explain to men, you cannot know who you want to be involved with if you're seeing several women. It doesn't work that way. However, if you're not having sex and you're just dating several women, just to get to know them and you're not having sex, then you can say, okay, well, she has these good qualities, she has these good qualities, but I want to be with this one more. But if you're having sex with all of them, suddenly that I want to be with you is a link to all of them. You need to get to know these different women, compare women, that's fine. If I was gonna have a, a business deal with somebody, I would just plunge right into the first person that wanted to have a business deal with me. I talk about it, I would put the message out who else wants to do a business deal with me and check out what where am I gonna get what I want most. Then I make the deal, then I make the commitment, then I have the relationship. And if I go if I make a deal with somebody then change my mind and go make the deal with somebody else, they're gonna feel violated and so forth. It's the same thing with sex. Sex is what you do after you make the deal. And if you start moving around after you've had sex, you're going to hurt somebody. Not only are you going to hurt somebody, but you hurt yourself. You, you lose your ability to make up your mind. You can't make up your mind and know who's best when you're when you're having sex with several women. It's too intimate. You're connected here, you're connected here. You can't make up your mind. And a woman certainly can't make up her mind but she is also...
1: It also takes away the significance and importance of the spirituality of the sexual union.
0: You know, what you said is so beautiful. Uh, it, 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 and most people aren't even aware of that level. Uh, and say so you really love someone and they betray you, and then suddenly you realize, oh, you know, I thought we had something really special here, and you've, you've cheapened it, demeaned it, you've it by fooling around. And, uh, you know... People are done. They make these mistakes. They learn the hard way. I learned that one the hard way. I was in just a serious relationship with a woman, and it was back in the 60s, and then it was one of those open kind of things where everybody was tearing right. up and doing all kinds of other things with other right. people, and it was really fun, and so we got back together that evening, and I realized that I just felt awful inside. She felt awful inside. I felt betrayed.
1: It takes away from the sacredness of That's
0: it. That's right. Sacredness is especially There's something that I give to my wife that I give to no one. That's right. And when you're dating someone, to find the sacredness of the relationship, you need to start treating it as if it's sacred. You can't find sacredness if you pop along.
1: I think, I think one of the things that somehow has gotten lost in the 80s shuffle is is respect for your partner i mean i think throughout a person's life there are always going to be temptations Uh, men are always going to be looking at other women because that's the nature of the man but it's whether we act upon it
0: exactly and that that's the whole point to it have some discipline some strength but i'm not talking about suffering or denying yourself i'm talking about having discipline which is Directing your sexual energy in the direction where you choose and where you promise it to go, and if you do that, it will continue to grow and become stronger in that direction. But when people have this casual, loose, you know, oh, I'll be here, I'll be there, I'll be there, they never learn to harness that sacred power inside, which can not grow, and that that that's what helps them to figure out who they want to be with, know who they want to be with, but it also gives you the personal charisma and magnetism. You're to the right person to you. You know, you could be with, you know, a guy could be attracted to a woman, but she's not attracted to him. She doesn't want to be with him because he doesn't have what it takes to draw her to him and vice versa because he's been just loose in this sacred energy. And to take it in more practical terms for people that may not relate to the idea of sacred energy, uh, if you had all your money, your safety, uh, you wouldn't take that, and that's the essence of who you are. You wouldn't go and invest that in an investment where you know this is the right thing for me. Right. And that's what people do all the time. I know men, they, they're sleeping around, and I say, well, you have sex with her? Yeah. I say, do you want to marry her? Would you want to marry her? Absolutely not. I would definitely not want to marry her, but I do like having sex with her. I said, well, what are you doing? You're taking your savings, and you're putting in an investment that will not return anything to you. What we have to do as people is mature and grow, and what we do that, is to, just as the money grows, Proper is to invest it wisely. You take the essence of who you are, you put it in a situation that has the potential these to grow. It may not be a right person, There can always make mistakes, but the disease don't choose to make mistakes.
1: Well, I there is so much to be talked about and so much to be learned, and I, I do want to mention that uh, uh, starting on January 29th at the Gershwin Theater in New York on Broadway, and it's actually 222 West 51st Street between Broadway and 8th Avenue. Uh, you, our listeners, uh, can come and, and hear and see in a very entertaining evening, and Michael Najarian told me, don't tell people it's a lecture.
0: <laughs> no, it's not a lecture. It's definitely a show. And let me also mention that it's January 27th. to ja-
1: I'm sorry, January 27th sorry. to uh, February 2nd? Yeah. And if you would like tickets, you can purchase tickets through Ticketmaster, and their phone number is 1-800-755-4000. That's through Ticketmaster, and uh, for some of you in different parts of the country, that number may be different, so uh, call Ticketmaster. For many of you, it's one eight hundred seven five five four thousand. 755 4000 I promise you, uh, bring your lover, bring your husband, bring your wife, bring your friends. Um, it's It will be a wonderful, enlightening, and entertaining evening. And John Gray, you have brought so much to so many people. God bless you, and I thank you for sharing this hour with me. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. And give my uh, give my best to Shannon. She's adorable. Isn't she wonderful? And uh, I have spoken with Renee, and I hope she's feeling better. <laughs> good. And she is an absolute delight. Okay. Oh, and I hope to see you in New York. Thanks. I look forward to seeing you there, too. Okay, John. Good luck. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: Cindy Gilman is a certified holistic and Reiki and energy practitioner, as well as a spiritual medium. As a spiritual medium and empath, she conducts individual personal consults either by phone or in her office. All sessions are professional and confidential. For a phone consultation or in-office appointment, go to www.cindygilman.com or call 401 885 4115.